that uh, Lord just kind of worked on us this week at, that we're uh, going to do our best to relate to you. Just hope it's an encouragement and a strength to your life. Um, let me just say, by the way, that we will, because uh, some didn't know if we're having service tonight. We're having service, but we're not, we're not going to be here till 12 o'clock. You can be here till 12 o'clock if you want to, but I'm not going to be. So um, we used to do that years ago and had, I think they called it watch night service. I think it's bringing in the new year, man. And, and uh, we were really sleepy the next day. It's like, but uh, we're going to have service at 6 o'clock. And then something secret following the service, after the service tonight, we're just going to do a real short little celebration, um, bringing in the new year. Out with the old, in with the new. But it's going to be like at, I don't know, eight, 7, 30, 8 o'clock. So people are going to wonder, what are they doing? But that's okay. We know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. Would you turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis? And we want to read just a couple of uh, scriptures there book of Genesis, and we'll be in the second chapter. I remembered something that the Lord brought back to my heart, and it's always kind of been, it's always kind of been intriguing to me. But I want to read the fourth verse first. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. If you would go over with me to the 19th verse. Same chapter. 19th verse. 2nd chapter of Genesis 19. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air. And he brought them unto Adam. To see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature. That was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle. And the fowl of the air. And the beast of every field. But for Adam there was not. And help me for him. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. We just pray this morning. That your word drops on our heart. You said the word of God is, is like seed going out in a field. And the sower sowed the, the, the field. And some ground absorbed it. Began to grow and begin to nourish and begin to germinate. And then come up as a plant. And it brought forth yield. Brought forth yield, and so we pray the word of God does that in our life this morning and every time that we speak. Lord, we believe that your word is strong and powerful. May we receive it into our life. We pray in your name, Jesus. Everyone said, Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to talk about this morning what's in a name. What's in a name? I'm going to touch everybody in this house this morning. There's not one person in this house that doesn't have a name. You can't talk to anybody. You go up and greet them. There's not one here that will say, I don't have a name. No, I'm just anonymous. No, everybody here has a name. So I want to deal with something this morning about names 
and uh, we'll follow it through Scripture a little bit. The definition of a name. First of all, a name is a noun. It's a word or a set of words by which a person, an animal, a place, a thing is known, addressed, or referred to. Names, names, names. Genesis, the second chapter, is the origin of names. There were no names before Genesis, the second chapter. It's interesting to me that how God worked it out so we can identify and how he began to, well, he allowed Adam, first of all. The whole creation story, if you've read Genesis, the first chapter, the whole creation story is done by the creator being called Elohim, which just simply means God. There's no identification there. It just means that the, it's the same as what we would see in the Greek, the word theos, Elohim in the Old Testament. It just means the deity, God, who is bigger, above, stronger. But don't make a mistake about this. And I think, you know, science even now, a lot of scientists are believing that, that the earth came into being with a higher power. And they'll kind of admit that a little bit. The earth just didn't, it just didn't collect matter. Up in the universe somewhere, some matter and some particles got together. And then there was an explosion, and from that explosion, the planets spun off. And they began to cool down. And when they cooled down, then they began to get life. And I'm going to tell you something. It takes more faith to believe that garbage than to believe God. You've got to have faith. The scripture said, he that comes to, to God must believe that he is. He that comes to evolution must really believe that something evolved out of nothing. But I believe that God created something out of nothing. Can you say amen? Uh, it wasn't a random super being. It wasn't just a superpower in the sky up somewhere. It might look that way even in Genesis, the first chapter, because it just says God, Elohim. It doesn't really name who's doing the creating. And that's why we read this fourth verse in the second chapter. I don't want you to make any mistake about this. It says the Lord God. But if you look in the Hebrew, it is Yahweh Elohim. It's not just any Elohim, any God somewhere doing something randomly, but, but Jehovah Elohim. And so the first name comes into existence for us, and that name is Yahweh Elohim. And that word Yahweh, it's, it's just four capital letters, and it's hard to, to, to put the ad vowels to it because they say that you can't pronounce it right. But, but I just want you to know what it means this morning. It isn't so much the pronunciation, but what it means is the self-existing one who reveals himself. He is that Lord God. Don't make a mistake about who did creation. It was Almighty One who is the self-existing one who always has been, always will be, and He reveals Himself in that way. That's the one who created 
heaven and earth. Can the church say amen? So all credit and all praise, all honor and all glory and all worship go to the self-existent one. Doesn't go to science. Certainly doesn't go to those who invented ways to explain how the earth became because they don't want to believe God. The fool said in his heart, there is no God. And if you trace what they believe and what they have put out as science, and there's only one conclusion for them, and that is that they are fools. So God begins to reveal himself. Part of his name, part of his name is that he reveals himself. So he begins to reveal himself to Adam, the first man. He revealed himself when he, <clears throat> when he made man in his image and in his likeness. And I'm so glad that we sit here this morning with the image and likeness of God. No, it's not hands and feet and fingers and, and you know, noticeable, recognizable features of our body. That God didn't recreate himself. There are some that preach this and believe this. That God in heaven was a man. And he recreated himself in the earth in Adam. I don't believe that at all. But what I believe is like him or the likeness of him. Is the, the ability to reason. The ability to think. The ability to make decisions. The ability to make choices. And thank God we have choices in this life. We are not robots. We are not programmed just as robots to do certain things, but we have choices in life. And I know that sometimes we make wrong ones. But we have the ability to make the right ones anyway. And thank God this is how, <coughs> this is how sin was. We made wrong choices in our life. We all sinned. We all, we all fell astray. There's none righteous, no, not one. But hey, we made another choice, and that other choice, it changed all of that that previously happened in our life. We choose to believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. So thank God that we have reason and choice. And then Yahweh God shows His dominion over all creation. He brings all of those animals that He has created, and He brings them before Adam. See, the Lord owns the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The people that are here, they that dwell therein, you belong to Him. You are not on your own. It's man with his elevated attitude about who he is and what he can do. It really can get nowhere because God has given you the life and the breath. You exist because God has brought you into, into being. He has birthed you into life and, and all things about you. He has dominion over all creation. He has dominion and power over everything. And then he shows his lordship over Adam. He shows, begins to reveal his lordship to Adam. When he says to Adam, I've got some commandments for you. Brother Chris preached about the commandments of the Lord just the other night. It was good little study that he did. And the commandments of the Lord, he has the right to command. Can you say amen to that? He has the right, whether you like it or not. It isn't up for your uh, approval. It isn't up for your opinion. He says it. 
Because he wants it that way, he does it that way, and it works out for our good. He is the one who gives all commandment. I don't have to obey man's commandments unless I want to get in trouble here. If I don't, if I go too fast, I'm going to get a ticket. If I do the wrong things, you you can end up in jail. But I do have to do God's commandments. They, they are yes and amen to those that believe. And, and so God gave Adam directives. Do not eat of the tree. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so Yahweh God began to show his leadership in his directives, in his commandments. And then, he showed his loving kindness. And I like this. We read that verse. It said that Adam did not have a help meet. He didn't have anyone to help him. Adam is just there alone. And think about how lonely he must have been. And God saw that. That Adam was, he was enjoying the garden. He was enjoying where God had put him. But he didn't have a help meet. And so God in his loving kindness looks down and says, the man is struggling. And, you know, I can see that. I see a lot of men who do struggle, but thank God for our wives who help keep us in balance. A helpmate. We help one another, amen? We help one another in life. And those who are married, then, then Adam, he says a thing when he sees his wife. He said, for this, for this cause shall... A man leave his father and mother. He does, there is no father and mother at this point. But prophetically he speaks for even this cause. I think he realizes that there is going to be reproduction. There is going to be humans. And, and he is commanded to repopulate or populate the earth. And so he looks at that and says, A man is going to leave his father and mother. And he's going to cleave to his wife. And they shall become one. Thank you, Adam. That's a good one. Then God also shows and begins to reveal himself in the pleasure that he derives from man. The Lord finds pleasure in his people. We got here this morning. Well, first, we cleaned up. We made ready. We drove here. You don't get here by accident. You drive. We got here. We begin to praise our God. He finds pleasure in the praises of His people. I don't believe that we just go through a religious thing, put in another Sunday. I believe the Lord hears our praise. I believe the Lord is pleased. The pleasure of the Lord is in His house and in His people. The Lord takes pleasure in us. He looked at Adam and it just... This, this so cracks me up because he brings all the animals, all the creation, the fowl of the air, the beast of the field, brings them in front of Adam to see what Adam's going to call them. That, that's just crazy. Here's Adam making up names. He didn't even know what to call them. And, and dog comes by. He, he didn't know. What do I call this guy? Let's just call him a dog. And a cow comes by. And I know all the names have changed, you know, and the Hebrew names. But, but, but Adam, and, and it just, God is amused. Because this man that he created, he said, I want to see what he's going to do. 
And it just amused him so much, just like us in the little nip. Now, he just cracks me up. And, and all he has to do is just stare. And I'm going, look at that. He's staring. You know, he just turned his head, grinned a little bit. And we're all just all of it. He's grinning. Because we take pleasure in that, the Lord takes pleasure in his people. I want you to know that this morning. God takes pleasure in his people. Oh, he loves his people. He created them. He created them for a purpose. And, and we're going to get to that at the end because, because there is a purpose for us being here. And it is, it is a pleasure unto the Lord. Can you say amen? And so whatever Adam called them, whatever name he gave them, this is where names started in the second chapter of Genesis. And then God gave him his wife. The first thing he does is give her a name, Eve. Because she is the mother of all living. And ever since he named Eve, men have been naming their children. Women have, couples have been naming their children for 6,000 years. You can't go anywhere in the world where people aren't named. Everybody has a name. It started with Adam. Finally, it got down to us. And it's just amazing. This is how we identify each other. We come in this morning. And, and we'll say, Brother Austin, man, good to see you this morning. Brother Jake, good to see you. The different We know them by name. And, you know, I'm not real good with names. I forget them. Kay has to help me a lot because I'm not, I never have been good. It's because you're, now you're getting older. No, I never did. I never could. I always said, I'd be shaking somebody's hand and talking to them. And while I'm shaking their hand, I'm forgetting their name. It's just perfect. It's just how I, it's how I do. But everybody likes to be identified by their name. And so names are important to us. In some cultures, names were given by inspiration or sometimes even by endearment. Certain names were given. Now, I thought about this, and it, it kind of, I, I, I guess those genes are in me. Uh, the Indians, the American Indians, love to name their people by Inspiration. You've heard of Sitting Bull, right? You have heard of Crazy Horse, right? Red Cloud, and on and on and on. Some kind of an inspiration caused them to want to name them things. And, and I thought, well, maybe I have that gene. I like to name people. I'm call them nicknames. My kids know this. It just, it just cracks me up. Just in the, and I thought about some that we, while we've been here, um, I went down to rent a, um, a space for my trailer. And lo and behold, who was there? I call him Curly. Because his hair, you know, I just call him Curly. I mean, we met this, this family. <laughs> These are just some of them. I mean, the peppers. That's too easy. Oh, yeah, we've got sergeant, we've got doctor, we've got chili, bell. I mean, that's just too easy. But I think on those terms, and, and my son got it. He got it, too, and, and I think Ronnie's kind of getting it. And, and this, this thing where you just, I, I call Kate, she is, you know, she's a good woman. I, her name is Charlene. 
Charlene K. But I'll call her Chuck. I'll call her Chuck Chuck. I'll call her Charles. I'll call her Chubby. I'll call her all kinds of things. Because I like, I just like, name it. Well, I want you to know something. God loved it. God loves names. In fact, he began to rename some people. I feel sorry for Adam. Adam was named Dirt Man. Dirt Bag, you know. He was just, that was his name, Man. I had a friend, he named his dog. He named him Dog. And so everywhere he called, come here, dog. And that, that was the dog's name, was Dog. Well, Adam must have felt like that. Adam just means the dirt man. But God named him that. And so, but God can change names and move names around anytime he wants to. And, and so I thought of Tara, who named his boy Abram. And the word Abram means exalted father. And so he named that little baby boy an exalted father, that someday he was going to be an exalted father. And Abram carried that name for years and years and years, way into the Scripture he carries that name, until God made a covenant with him. And when God made a covenant with him, you are going to be the father of many nations. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. So he's got the right to do that. He's in all authority and power, right? And so Isaac had a son that he called Jacob. And Jacob meant a deceiver. But God wrestled that name right out of him. And when God was through wrestling him, he said, I will no longer call you Jacob, but you shall be called Israel. You shall be a prince with God. And so God began to establish his kingdom on names that were changed. He didn't care for what they used to be called. He wanted a new name written down for them. And so at the founding of the kingdom of Israel, he began with some new names, Abraham and Israel. And I found it the same way with Christ when he began to to develop the foundation of his kingdom. Is that he took the same liberties in renaming some of his future leaders we know the first one in John the first chapter he met he met Simon Barjona for the first time and Simon Barjona he was unstable Simon Barjona was he was a loud mouth and he was a hothead and he needed some work in his life and we find that all through his all through his uh, scriptural life is that he had to have some correction in his life. But Jesus looked at him and said, Simon Barjona, you're going to be called Cephas or Petros or Peter as we know it. And you are going to be a rock. And thank God that he was looking into the future of Peter's life is that he wasn't right now, but he was going to be a rock. He was going to be steady. He was going to be ones that they could build upon apostolic men that they could build upon. And Peter, right in the middle of that thing. And then he took James and John, the sons of Zebedee, fishermen, that also were partners with Peter. And there was something about them that seemed to be different. So the Lord renamed them sons of thunder. And maybe 
that was because they had so much passion in your life. We found, I think it was in Mark, the third chapter, that they were ready to call down fire on a city. Remember that? And so Jesus renames them sons of thunder. Now, all the rest of you disciples sit here, and I'm going to take Cephas, Peter, and the sons of thunder, and we're going up yonder. Maybe he renamed them because these were special men. These were men that were going to develop the kingdom for him. These were men that would be steady and passionate about serving Jesus Christ. I'm not afraid of somebody that is passionate. The Lord's not afraid of passionate people. Those are the kind that he picked. He didn't pick any little lazy um, you know, wishy-washy kind of people. He picked people that were passionate. Maybe you had an attitude. Maybe you had an anger problem. Maybe you were a loud mouth. But I want to tell you something. When God gets done with you, you are going to be for the kingdom. You're going to be a kingdom use because He's going to change your name. You're not going to be what you used to be. You're going to be what He calls you to be. And thank God He takes some rough guys. Can you say Amen. Some guys that have made mistakes. Some guys that don't have a good record in their life. But he changes them. And he changes their name. And he brings them into the kingdom of God for the use of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you a little side note here. How would you like to have an over-opinionated Simon Peter, the sons of thunder with an attitude, Simon the Canaanite, who was a nationalist, a Jew nationalist, who believed that Rome should come down by any tactic or force, and Matthew the publican, who worked for the Roman government, and Judas Iscariot, the thief and the betrayer, and how would you like to have all those guys in one group? He had to do some changing, can you say amen? He had to change some lives. He had to change some people around. But by the time they were done, they turned the world upside down for Jesus Christ. What's in a name? Only, only the Lord knows what's in a name. The church got a name. Yeshua Jesus, Matthew 16 said, I will build my church. Of course, we know that that Greek word, ecclesion, we know that that is equal to us to the word church, but ecclesia means an assembly, a congregation called together. So there's not just, not just that they gather up, but they are called. So he calls his people by a name. It's his ecclesia. It's his gathering. So he calls them the English word that we have is church. There was a man that preached. In fact, in our church, he preached that the word church came from an old uh, word kirch that meant something evil. And so don't use the word church. No, I'm going to dispel that because the word church came from the Greek word 
kuriakos, which means belongs to the Lord. The word kurios, we know, is Lord. And the word kuriakos means that we belong to the Lord. I want to let you know this morning that we are labeled as church, and that's who we are. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave us a name. We're a gathering. We are an ecclesia here this morning. We have come in a house this morning. But the church is not Echoes of Calvary. The church is not First Baptist. The church is not Pentecostal Church of God. The church is the believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that are called out and from the world this morning. We're called out of the world to represent Jesus Christ as our Savior in the world. Acts, the 11th chapter and the 26th verse. I just talked to the other night to Chris about this. When I was reading, this is why I read the Greek New Testament. When I was reading this scripture in the Greek, I had always thought and always been told that at Antioch, they were first called Christians because people wanted to mock them as being, you know, attached to Christ, sort of a, a mock. And I know that probably most of you have heard that. But really, the Greek word that's used here, let, let me tell you what it says. The Greek word says that, um, 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 where is it? Mm, I lost it on here. But, oh, yes, it means to take on a name in order to transact business. And so the church, they're just calling themselves the way. And the scripture has it in there, and they're just calling themselves the way. But at Antioch, they finally decided we're going to do something about this. The world needs a label for us. They need to know what we're about. And they, they come up with a name that I think was only God anointed, Christianos, which means to us Christians. I'm going to tell you right now, the world is, calls herself Christian. A lot of churches call themselves Christian and they use it and they abuse it. Politicians call themselves Christians and they're not. There's a lot of people who say they are and they're not. But I want to let you know that this is the most descriptive term that we can use. That we are attached to Jesus Christ. We are Christians. Followers of Jesus Christ are called Christians. There are some who are devils that call themselves Christian, but still... This is the most fitting name that the church could give itself, that God could give the church to give itself, is that we call ourselves Christians, followers of our leader, our rabbi, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So to us now, and I've, over the years, there's a book song, and we don't have any books. I, I'm not against book songs, but we put them on the wall. There's a book song says, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. And so we used to sing those songs and, and, and kind of believe that we had an earthly name, and we had a heavenly name. Well, I don't know for sure if that's really the truth, but there's a name. There's a name. Now, I want to I say something here. You may claim to be a believer. You may claim to be a Christian. But you'll never be over the order and oversight of the church. There are no such things as rogue Christians in the kingdom of God. 
Every Christian belongs to the ecclesia. Not this one in particular, but to the ecclesia. A lot of people want to think of their self as, as having the, the uh, experience that Abraham had. They just wander and go here and there, and they're looking for a city. Well, all that's changed now. He's got a name for us, and it's called a church, the ecclesia. And then he calls us into that ecclesia, and each one of us will never be above or outside of the ecclesia. We are all the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole is equal to the sum of the parts. And so arithmetic, if you learned way back when, arithmetic, the whole is equal to the sum of the parts. We are the parts of the church. And the church equals the parts thereof. Thank God we preached about last Sunday about those that came out of the resting place in paradise and they are part of the body of Christ, but they're not outside of the body of Christ. They're not special. They're not elevated. They are part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one place ultimately for humanity to end up in the favor of God and that is in the ecclesia of the Lord Jesus Christ. From Adam to us, it's the church. From Adam to now, it's the ecclesia. It's the calling together of His people. He's always done it. And He will always do it. Thank God we're called by the name church. Can you say amen? And so, but us individually in the church, we are under the ecclesia of God. So I want to read you this verse in John, or Jesus said in Luke 10, 20. They came back to him. He had sent them out to minister. They came back to him and they were rejoicing. Now, I don't know if they were jumping up and down. I don't know if they were shouting, but it was obvious that they had joy. A lot of joy. Demons are subject to us in your name. Sounds like a lot of the things I've seen on TV the Christian movement, charismatic stuff. Demons are subject. See, Jesus said, do not. He instructed them, do not rejoice because of miracle signs and wonders. Man, that'll reel the church in real quick, right? If we brought somebody in here this morning in a wheelchair, couldn't walk, we prayed for them and they got up and began to jump and run, I'm going to tell you, this church would be on fire. We'd be rejoicing, wouldn't we? But don't rejoice over this. Rejoice rather that your names are written in heaven. Wow. Okay, I don't know if it's going to be Rodney Keith Kincaid written down in heaven. I'm not sure of that. But if it is, they're going to have to put senior there, and junior there, and three there, and four there, except they'll know him because it says nip. <laughs> but rejoice, because your name, I want to tell you something right now. There's no one that can come with the, with the, with the blotter. There's no one that can come out with an eraser. 
There's no devil in hell that say, I'm going to take your name off of the roll in heaven. He doesn't have the power to do that. Only the Lord has wrote us down. And I'm going to tell you, friend, the only way you can ever get out of there is turn your back and walk away from Him because He's got your name down. You belong to Him. You're part of the ecclesia of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are part of the church. And your name is written down wherever it says church. Your name's in there. That's a wonderful thing. Can you say amen? That is a wonderful thing. Paul mentions this in Philippians 4. He says about his fellow workers. He said, my fellow workers whose names are written. They're in the book of life. If you're following Jesus as a Christian, you're part of the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the assembly and church of the firstborn ones, having been enrolled in the register in heaven. Come hell or high water, come trouble, come sickness. Come People disappointing me. Come things falling apart in my life. Come bankruptcy. Come all manner of things that can come against us. Jake, come come problems in my body to the point of death. I want to tell you this this morning. None of that matters. My name is registered in the roll of heaven. And I've got it down there by the power of Jesus Christ and His saving grace. Can you say amen? Sometimes we get in this life and things are rough. Things are hard. Things are discouraging. And you wake up in the morning and feel like, I don't even know where God is. I don't know if even I'm, I'm on the roll this morning. But I want to let you know. I want to reassure you this morning. It doesn't matter the trial. It doesn't matter the test. It doesn't matter the problem that you're in. If your name is written in the Lamb's book, I believe this morning, you are secure in Jesus Christ. You're not secure out of him but you are secure in him oh what a wonderful thing to know that our name is registered on the roll whatever that role is remember the old song when the roll is called up yonder I'll be there somebody had something they might have took it out of out of the book of Hebrews because that's what it said the registra- registration on, on the roll I'll tell you what, there's some rolls in in the earth I I wish I wasn't on. I wish I wasn't on the tax roll. They send out, you know, occasionally, used to in California, I haven't got one here, but they would send you the census. I know you're supposed to sign them and send them back in. I, I got this fake thing in my head. If they don't know that, then they don't know where I am. They know where you are anyway. But there's some roles I definitely don't want to be on in this world. But I don't want to miss the role of registration in heaven. Oh, oh Lord, whatever it takes. Oh, God, I, my name has got to be there. So I want to whittle it down, and we're, we're, going, to, we're going to come to, a, to an end here. But there is a name. It supersedes. All names that have ever been given. On every continent to billions of people. 
billions and billions of names. But there is one that is above every other name. The emperors, the great men of valor in this world of ours, those that's done great things, army generals and presidents of nations and administrations, there's always a name that's higher. Thank God. We're in an administration right now that's is confused about gender. They're confused about life. Confused about a lot of things. But I want you to take hope this morning. It doesn't matter if they get back in for another four years. There's a name that is above all names. They're not going to supersede what the Lord says. And what the, the Lord's command is final. And that name... See, Joseph... You've got one major priority in your life, Joseph. And that's not to take Mary down to Bethlehem. And that's really... That needs to be done. And you need to go to Egypt so that Herod doesn't kill him out. That needs to be done. And you, then you need to take him back to Nazareth. And you need to train him there and help him grow up. But there's something that is so much more important than that. You're going to have to do this because from the moment he is born in the manger... In the tower of the flock, Migdal Eder, to the moment that he is on the cross, and above him is his name, and it will be there written, it'll be written in, in Latin. And that's why, my friend, we sing songs that say Jesus, because that's the Latin rendering. And it'll be written there in Greek. It'll be Iesus, another equal to that name. But finally in Hebrew, it'll be there for all the world to see. Joseph, thou shalt call his name Yeshua. Because God is going to save his people from their sin. You take that Yahweh, that, that God, that everlasting self-existing one, and you add Shua to it. The salvation power. And then we look at him and we see him on the cross. And above his head is that name. And it means God is here to save mankind. It's not someone else. It's God. It's Emmanuel. God with us. And he is going to save through his power of his son. So Joseph, you gotta, you can't name him something else. George won't do. Rodney won't do. Chris won't do. Isaac is a good name, biblical name. That won't do. Abraham will not do. And Joshua, who they try and compare to the... That won't do. Joshua was a good man, and he was a deliverer. But you shall call his name Yeshua. Paul says it in Philippians, second chapter in the ninth verse. Therefore also God highly exalted him and gave him a name above every name 
that in the name of Jesus, Yeshua Jesus, every knee. I, I don't know if maybe referring to the resurrection, when all the dead come out of the grave, billions mixed in with all the people who thought they were great and mighty, all the millionaires and billionaires, all the rulers, the Hitlers, the Stalins, and all those people in that group, and they will bow their knee, and they will confess with their mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's an awesome thing. I want to do that right now. I'm not waiting until then. I bow my knee before him. That's what Paul said. I bow my knee before him right now. Ephesians, the third chapter and the 15th verse. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, it said, Out of whom, out of him, Jesus Christ, every family in the heavens and upon the earth is named. I never really quite understood that scripture very good. Out of whom every family, every ancestry, every lineage in the heavens and upon the earth is named. Dustin likes to refer to uh, Martin Luther. Martin Luther had this thing called Sola Scriptura. And what he believed was that Scripture was the pure definition of other Scripture. And so it stayed inside of Scripture, that, that uh, interpretation outside of Scripture was improper. And, and I believe that. I believe that. We stand inside the confines of Scripture. Can you say amen? That's where we stay. And so, sola scriptura. And, and don't understand out of whom every family line of ancestry in the heavens and upon the earth is named. So I had to go to Colossians, the first chapter. You can follow me. I, we've, I've read part of this, and I just recently have read it. I'm going to read some more again first chapter of Colossians, and I'm going to close right here, the 12th verse. Just listen with me. My heart, my heart is thrilled when I read this. Giving thanks to the Father who has made us fit for a share of the inheritance of the saints in light who delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Now it begins to talk about the son of his love. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. Okay. Then that must explain how that every family ancestry has come from this name. For all things were created in him. The things in the heaven, the things on, upon the earth, the visible, the invisible, whether thrones or lordships or rulers or authorities, all things have been created because of Him and for Him. And He is before all things. Primary before all things. And all things consist in Him. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that he be 
preeminent in all things. There is a name that is preeminent in all things. Last Sunday, I talked about something that I tried to be careful. I don't want to offend anybody. A lot of times we've been taught things over the years that, that really, maybe in good intention, but not completely accurate in Scripture. I want to tell you this about this church, about this ministry, about what we believe. I believe Jesus is preeminent in all things because I believe the Word of God. Can you say amen? I'm not bringing another person into this. I'm leaving him where he belongs. Preeminent in all things. Whether it's dominions or powers or thrones. It doesn't matter if it's things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth. He is preeminent in all things. And so when we say that name that is above all names, the name Jesus, the name Yeshua, the name Jesus, those were all on his cross. That's who he is. We have come to the highest. Everybody say highest. Oh, Jesus, he's going to get us somewhere. No, no, no. No, we've come to the one who is preeminent in all things. We love our Lord and Savior. Can you say amen? We love our Lord and Savior. I'll tell you what. I only have one message, and, and so you all know that. I just have one message. It's not about me. It's about him. He's the one. He's the one. Hallelujah. Oh, he'll keep your faith. He'll touch your life. He, he is the one who has wrote your name down in the roll of heaven. It's my Lord. It's our Rabbi, Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Do you love him this morning? Amen, amen, amen. Hey, somebody bring in the little ones. Brandon, would you do that? Go get them. And, and we're going to uh, we're gonna do a thing. And I thought this was proper. We are called Christians. I was talking to Rodney here recently. We've been, since we've come to this building, there's been a lot of people that, you know, want to know what we're about and say what kind of, you know, who are you attached with? Somebody, a woman asked me, so who's your mentors? Who are you attached with? In other words, where's our church come from? And what do you believe? I think I've got a simple answer now, and I think this is what we're going to do. We're Christians. We believe in Christ. We believe in the fullness of what He wants to do in the body. Because He is the head of the church. So it's pretty... But as Christians, as Christian people, there's something that the Lord said for us to do. He said, do something in remembrance of Him. Now, remembrance of His death. It's easy for us to remember the signs and wonders and miracles, isn't it? And get happy about this. And we should. They're good. They're awesome. Signs and wonders and miracles. They're, what Jesus did shows us what he can do and still does. And, and that's evident. But he called one thing to our remembrance. Miracles, signs, and wonders don't save you. I've been in church long enough to see people get healed and turn their back on God and walk away. I've seen families that God did the miraculous for them, and they have nothing to do with Him. Miracles, signs, and wonders do not save people. 
They may be a witness. They may, they may stir folks, open their soul a little bit to the Lord. But there's only one thing that saves you, and that is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That is your redemption. Not a miracle, not a sign, not a wonder. Your redemption is the shed blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Brother Chris, I'm going to ask you, I just thought maybe you could do this. Get me 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, and the 23rd verse, three verses, 23, 24, 25, 26, four verses. We're going to read those. I want our brothers, Rodney come, and Austin come, Josh come, and Dustin come. Help us, huh? Yeah, we got this. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Brother Chris, would you read this? Amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. Gave thanks to God for it. He broke it in pieces. He said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. Amen. And so Paul, by revelation, he said, this is what the Lord gave to me. Well, we can look back in Luke, the, the uh, 22nd chapter, Matthew, the 26th chapter, was actually what the Lord did. And it was exactly what Paul said. So Paul wasn't there. But Paul heard it. And Paul believed it. And the Lord gave it to him. That the night that he was betrayed... See, he didn't, he didn't slip out of there without doing this. Because you and I need to realize where our salvation comes from. It doesn't come out of this bread and out of this juice. This is in remembrance of what he did for us. And we were lost. We were not Christian. We were not part of the ecclesia. We were not, our names were not written in the roll in heaven. But His blood has washed us from our sin. Can you say amen? And He has instituted life inside of us. Brought us to life by His Spirit that dwells in us. And so we thank Him. We can't thank Him enough. We cannot thank Him enough. For that salvation that we know. There's not a person sitting here this morning that earned it. There's not one righteous in this building. No, not one. But I want to relate to you. That you cannot get any cleaner. Than what you are this morning in the blood of Jesus Christ. Good works don't clean you up. I mean, it might the outside man, and, and I believe that. I believe we should do that. But you can't clean your heart. Only Jesus can clean your heart. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Praise you, Jesus.
Glory to your name this morning, sitting here, Lord, in this place, God, just out here in the country are these people, Lord, who have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Names written because of you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I, I need to get a, get a cup. Okay. Praise you, Jesus. And so the Lord, first he took the bread and he broke it. There's been a lot of discussion about, you know, I know that if you've been in church any amount of time, you may have had crackers, uh, tortillas, um, little round wafer things that are printed IHS on them, Catholic little wafers. I was in a church, they gave me one of those and just threw it right under the chair. <laughs> that might have been a little disrespectful. But the Lord took a loaf. He took a loaf. And so, for all intents and purposes, this is beautiful because our ladies and Heather cooked this for me. This loaf does not have any leaven in it. So you can take it any way you want. I mean, it's beautiful. You can say it's, it's, a, it's a loaf of bread. It's not crackers. It's not wafers. But it doesn't have leaven. It really doesn't matter. The Lord took as a sign. This little bread's not going to heal you. But his broken body. His body was broke for us. For who? For the church. For the ones whose names are written in roll in heaven. His body was broken. And so we're going to pray this morning and just believe as we receive the body of the Lord. Ronnie, why don't you do that? Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that your body was broken for us, God. And that when we consume this, God, we are, we are believing that we are a part of your body. While it was given for us, Lord, we now attach ourselves to you. We are trusting in you. We're trusting in that sacrifice that you made, Lord, of the giving of yourself, God, that it will cleanse us, it will heal us, it will bring healing to the nations, Lord, as, as your word says. God, and we thank you, Lord, that what you did 2,000 years ago, we still partake of today. We still reap the rewards, God, of your sacrifice for us, and we thank you for it, Jesus. Amen. Let's eat this together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're partaking remembrance of your broken body, Lord. Mm. You've healed me so many times. You've healed this people so many times, Lord. We were all just sick recently. But, Lord, you healed us. We thank you. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name. Ronnie makes a good point. The Christian church has been doing this for 2,000 years. There's some phonies that's been doing it. But the Christian church has been partaking of the Lord's Supper. And then he took the cup. And uh, it's about the first time I've heard him cry in church. But then he took the cup, and he gave thanks. And he said, he said something peculiar. He said, drink all of it. Because in this cup of the Lord, we're not leaving anything out. His full blood shed over us. He said, my blood, this represents my blood poured out for the salvation of mankind. So we're going to drink this this morning. Lord, we thank you. How can we say thanks, Lord? How? Lord, we owed a debt we couldn't pay. And you paid a debt you didn't owe. We thank you. All we can do this morning, Lord, is just identify with you and identify with your cross, identify with your blood. 
We thank you so much for it, Lord. As we partake of it, we do remember your death here in this little church. We remember your death, Lord, until you come. Let's drink it together. Hallelujah. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sing it again. Sing, oh, precious is that flow that your name is written. Slip your hand right up there. Slip your hand right up there. Let's just give praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Her name is written in the Lamb book. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Jesus. Lord, we were. We were out there, Lord, but now we're in your ecclesia, in your body. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. God bless you each and every one. Have a good afternoon, and the Lord be with you.